I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in, episode 153 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can also follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. Many ways to get in touch, get involved, let me know what you love, what you hate, what you want to hear more of on the show. Guys, if you are a regular listener and subscriber, you will know that Tuesday's episode was part one. This is part two of the 2022 Rookie RB Recap, so definitely go back and check out part one if you haven't already. There are a couple of little jargony terms that I'll be throwing around here in part two that I explain in part one, um, so definitely go back and check that out. We've already covered off Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker the third, and Isaiah Spiller, so we're going to dive into the rest of the rookie running back class here, talk about kind of where my rankings and grades were for them pre-draft, what they did in their rookie year, and kind of what we see as the forecast for them in the future for Dynasty. Uh, I am joined, as I mentioned in part one, by the wonderful John McGlynn at John McGlynn 75 on Twitter. Give him a follow. Without any further ado, let's dive into part two of the 2022 Rookie RB Recap. Something is wrong with you! I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. I actually was really in love with James Cook. I really liked his speed. I liked his pass catching. I sort of look for archetype players. You know, I want players that if they hit, it's going to be a big hit. I feel like that's James Cook. Or I feel like I, I definitely felt like that. I saw I saw flashes of it this year. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to. I had a 78.5 um, grade on James Cook, which was a sort of a high second round pick. I was happy, comfortable taking him sort of the 202, 203, that sort of even as high once he got, because he was the third running back drafted in the, in the draft and he went to the Buffalo Bills. That's a really nice spot. I bumped him up I was happy taking him at like the 201. Um, you know, I was happy. And as soon as you hit in that second round, there was a there was about nine wide receivers I liked in the first round. There was two running backs, you know, potentially, uh, depending on your league format and settings and things, I was happy anywhere from like the 201 and on with James Cook. He played in 17 games, but he only had 91 rush attempts, 525 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. 21 receptions for 180 receiving yards, three total touchdowns, and he only averaged 6.3 fantasy points per game. Now, the interesting thing for me is we talk about, you know, all the stuff about efficiency and, you know, all that. And if you give a, a running back enough carries, I mean, that is all true, but there's also the other side of it where if the running back's not getting the carries, why is that? What's the situation there? Now, he was a rookie. Devin Singletary is a decent back. I still like James Cook a lot. I feel like he came on later and later into the season. I feel like, um, I still feel like he's got a lot of speed. He's got good pass catching. He's, he's elusive. Uh, he's good in the open field. I think that he's the kind of guy that, you know, if he was given more opportunities, if they move on from Singletary, I think that he could be somebody that, you know, certainly takes a step forward next year. I, I again, I'm not 
suggesting or recommending personally that you go out and start throwing out you know 23 firsts for him or anything crazy like that but if somebody is like hey, hey he's a bum uh he didn't do anything for me and they're ready to move on because again me john people that are like doing this kind of stuff all the time and thinking about it like ad nauseum we're like degenerates so we're like in the spreadsheets in the stats thinking about it all the time a lot of people play in dynasty leagues and they're having a lot of fun and they're they're really enjoying themselves but they're more casual about it they're just like oh yeah he sucked yeah he wasn't any good for me i could never play him and they're ready to move on they're getting excited about 2023 um that's why shows like this exist is because we're trying to help encourage you to think bigger picture um trying to help make you a better you know fantasy football player dynasty football player as far as like you know fantasy points per opportunity james cook was 0.87 which was 17th in the nfl um you know that that's again efficiency the underlying metrics are there for him to have looked pretty good uh true yards per carry was 5.3 which was second in the nfl um his juke rate wasn't as good it was 27.7 percent 20 21st which again is still good um you know Honestly, it's just his dominator rating was really low, 8.5%, which is 52nd. But again, his usage wasn't great. They were giving a lot of run to Devin Singletary. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm sort of, I'm still on the James Cook hype train myself, personally. I didn't I didn't think he has as good a year as I wanted him to have. I still think there's opportunity and possibility for him there. But, you know, John, what's your thoughts? Because I know James Cook was a very divisive Running back, I feel like there was either you loved him or you hated him um, in the pre-draft process or even after the draft. And I feel like there are a lot of haters for James Cook. So where do you come down on this side of it? Uh, you know, he was somebody who was uh, – he wasn't even in, in the original set of like 60-plus players in a one-quarterback league ranking. Uh, I, You know, I he went to uh, – as around the, like January 6th, I didn't even have him in any rankings. Nobody, he wasn't even really kind of mentioned. And then February – by the end of February – beginning of March he was like around 30 ish and then post draft he, he went down like you know actual number 10 like the number 10 player on the board it's, itself so he moved up a lot as his name kind of filtered through the Twitter verse I guess the fantasy football community uh, but the problem is I think people expected him to be uh, the out of the backfield dump off for Josh Allen and Josh Allen doesn't dump the ball off so it would have been a great situation in a other offense if, if he was used like a uh, all over the field kind of receiving back, but he's 5'11", 180 pounds. So everybody knew he would never be a three down back. He's just somebody who he's only had one season over with over 20 catches in, in college. So it's, it wasn't like he was this awesome receiver out of backfield anyway. And I just think that I, a lot of name value here was because of his brother, because of all the other stuff going on, like, uh, the, you know, that the, what the comparisons to how, how could he, meet up to his brother standards but i don't think he's used the way that a lot of people thought that he would be used in the nfl so i don't i didn't i was not really reaching for him as much as some other people were uh you know and i for what people spent to get him i, I think they lost a lot too I, I, this is not somebody i really targeted he was still you know somebody if he was available in the middle of the second round or something like that yeah absolutely i'd probably take him but just somebody that I thought was just being pushed up the boards for some strange reason, which I really couldn't put my finger on. So I, I don't, I don't have any of him. I, I don't think he's a buy for me either. I think if you have him, he's a hold. And if somebody wants to buy him from you, you, you could definitely take some picks or whatever players you can need to, you know, mend your team. I like having running backs on my team. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't see a real clear picture for him being the, you know, the, the fantasy go-to guy on your roster that, that a lot of people think that he'll become. 
I think you're right in saying, I remember actually, you know, it's funny that you say that. I remember there was, he, he got pushed up the board so dramatically post NFL draft because he was the third running back taken and he had really good draft capital and he went to the Buffalo Bills, which, you know, was a dream landing spot as far as, you know, high powered offense and, you know, they need a really good running back, things like that. Um, I remember in one QB league seeing some people taking him at like 104, 105 and things like that. That, that was crazy to me. Like I really liked James Cook and I was like, that's insane. Cause I remember there was one league where I think I had traded and I traded into the 106 or seven. And I was like really bummed because I wanted like, I needed a running back and I really wanted Kenneth Walker. And I was like, there's no way he's going to last all the way to like 106, 107. And the guy at like 104, he took James Cook. (laughs) And then like the guy behind him took some, and Kenneth Walker made it all the way to me at like 107 or something like that. And I was loving it. I was super happy about that. But yeah, no, absolutely. If people invested a first round pick or a high first round pick, they're hating life. Um, and they're pretty bummed out about it, I would say. But I, I absolutely do think that there's still a chance that he could be um, a guy again, because if he hits, he'll be a guy who's catching balls, who is efficient, um, who's speedy, able to break those big plays. And those are guys that, you know, will make a big difference when they hit. So it just depends on price. I agree with you hundred percent. It depends on price. If the person who rosters James Cook is wanting, you know, a first, absolutely not. Even if they're wanting like a super high second, probably not. But if they're like, I'll take a mid or late second or something like that. And you're like, yeah, sure. And you've got a couple of seconds to spare. Might be an interesting, interesting guy to acquire here, depending on what they do with Singletary, depending on how they attack the draft, what they do to how they choose to kind of add, add pieces in. I, I just real fast. I just wanted to say like, I don't think they would have brought in Naheem Hines to help with the offense if they were that confident in James Cook. That's just the way I feel. I know he's a special teams ace and they wanted that. And Zach Moss wasn't really what they kind of figured. But man, I, I don't think that they would have made such an adjustment to trade for a player just to play special teams. I thought that I think that they figured that Naheem Hines is just a better player than James Cook right from the get go. Or at least they needed James Cook to spend a year on the bench and kind of learn the system. He wasn't catching on or something. There's some red flags in there why they put why they pulled in Hines. I mean, I I'll disagree because, you know, literally if you look at the entire from week nine you look at Naeem Hines, he was a special teamer. He was a returner. He did a great job. He had those two returns for touchdown. That is what they needed. They weren't using Zach Moss at all. Um, if you look at the entire second half of the season there for Naeem Hines, he had, oof, from week eight onwards, he had five rush attempts, no rush attempts, no rush attempts, one rush attempt, one rush attempt, two rush attempts, one rush attempt, no rush attempts, one rush attempt. I think you get my my gist here. He's not, he didn't come in and immediately start taking the load or working a lot in the offense. He was brought over from what I can tell as a return man, they needed a returner. They need, that's a piece of the puzzle. When you're that good of an offense and you're building a championship caliber, every part of the puzzle is important. So return man, we need a good return man. I mean, we saw that two, two long kickoff returns for touchdowns that was awesome um and they weren't using zach moss they didn't need him so i i'll disagree on that um but i i do think you know i i don't i don't think that anyone should be thinking that james cook is like the next dalvin cook i don't think that i don't think anybody should be expecting him to um you know have 350 carries next year and 14 touchdowns but could he be a useful piece next year could he be somebody who 
gets a bigger piece of the puzzle, um, gets more carries if they move on from Singletary and if they choose to attack the draft through wide receivers and maybe building their offensive line, things like that, and they don't bring in any more big running backs. I think he still could be somebody who would return value. Um, I still believe in the talent. I think, you know, guys that are hitting, that are exciting to watch these ETNs, these, you know, um, guys like that have big speed, that they have that home run ability when they catch the ball in the field, they can make plays happen. Um, even like guys like Tony Pollard and stuff like that, you know, guys that are exciting with the ball in their hands. I think James Cook fits that mold. So, and especially as the season went on, he looked more comfortable. He was getting more opportunities. He looked better as the season went on but again yes don't don't break the bank i wouldn't say i wouldn't be going out and going crazy trying to trade for him i think people think that he was going to be travis etn like i think that they thought this was going to be the offense where they were trying to keep josh allen safe so they draft james cook and hit you just dump the ball off of james cook all over the place be that guy be electric playmaker and i don't think that really that really happened yeah no it didn't it didn't happen this year you know it certainly wasn't like he was getting 100 targets or anything crazy oh. like that so i think that you know you have to manage your expectations but at the same time i do think there's still meat on the bones there. There's still opportunities, um, you know, especially, like I say, it was more and more, there was more opportunities happening later on in the season. You know, he certainly had a couple of five, six target games. He had a couple of games where he was getting, you know, 10, 12, 14 rush attempts at times. So there was, there's little glimpses of like what could happen, what could be, um, you know, for cook, especially, you know, he's a rookie. They have a really high powered team. It takes a little bit of time. And um, yeah. So like I said, price dependent, certainly, um, the next couple of guys here that were really close together in my rankings was Brian Robinson Jr. At I gave him a 77.5, so just about a point behind James Cook uh, for very different reasons. They're very different styles of running backs, but I actually really like Brian Robinson Jr. Um, you know, especially in this class, in the context of this class, he was my, you know, RB5 in this class. And Rashad White, he was only half a point behind Brian Robinson Jr., um, so they were very, very close there. Brian Robinson Jr. played in 12 games, so he got beat up a little bit himself, but he did have 205 rush attempts for the commanders there. He kind of ousted Antonio Gibson as the, the main running back. He had 797 rushing yards, 3.9 yards per carry, nine receptions, so you don't love that. Wasn't very involved in the passing game, bit of a, a plotter on the ground. Um, 60 receiving yards with his nine receptions and three total touchdowns. So he did average 9.4 fantasy points per game. Again, kind of like what we talked about before, you give any running back enough runway, they will be fantasy viable. So 205 rush attempts, you know, he had a decent, decent season for sure, especially if you were getting him in like the mid second round of your one QB rookie drafts, um, maybe a little bit later if you were playing in a Superflex tight end premium league or something like that. And Rashad White as well. I'll lump him in here as well because they were very close to my rankings and I feel like they had fairly similar sort of outcomes. Um, you know, he played in all 17. He managed to play in all 17 games. Rashad White, he had 129 rush attempts for 481 rushing yards, 3.7 yards per carry, 50 receptions, which is much better. That's what you want to see. 290 receiving yards, three total touchdowns, and um, 8.2 fantasy points per game now as far as these two i'm not going to get into all of the kind of like underlying stats and things like that because i don't think um many people are really under the impression that these guys are like you know guys you're going to build your rosters around and these are your elite fantasy options i do think they've been useful this year at points i think they could be useful next year and i think they're both similar in the sense that there's a question marks around them. Brian Robinson Jr., we don't know who the heck is the quarterback of the future for the commanders. Are they going to roll somehow? Are they going to try and get somebody in the draft? What are they going to do? What's that offense going to look like? And Rashad White, you know, like what's happening with Tom Brady? Is he retiring? Is he coming back 
is he going to move somewhere else? Um, you know, if they, if Tom Brady moves somewhere else, most likely they blow it up, in which case, you know, they're probably not going to spend any draft capital or major draft capital on running backs. So he could be the dude next year there and kind of Fournette moves on somewhere else, uh, tries to, you know, get another, another title run. Rashad White could be a nice little buy low. He had some flashes. He looked good. He caught the ball. Um, you know, he definitely has some interesting sort of athletic measurables, things like that. I mean, of those two guys, who are you more interested in, John? Uh, 100% Rashad White, uh, as far as that goes. I, I think he was considered to be like kind of uh, like the Antonio Gibson of this class, where he'd be really fast, really be able to catch the ball, be, be a three-down back, be pretty much everything. I think people thought that there, he was going to phase out Fournette, and that, that kind of happened, but it didn't. You know, It was one of those things where it was week, it's later in the season, week to week, it was kind of like, who do I go with? And Lombardi Lenny just kind of, did magical things when he wasn't expected later in the season, but Rashad White's definitely somebody I'd, I'd, I would be chasing after instead of Brian Robinson. Now, Brian Robinson, for what I thought Brian Robinson was going to be, like I joked about earlier saying like, you know, people call him a bathtub at legs and all the other stuff like that. But I mean, he was catching passes. He was actually blocking pretty well. He was, I mean, he doesn't look fat. He doesn't look very fast. You can see the difference in speed between him and Antonio Gibson, but Brian Robinson brings the noise, man. When he comes at you, like he runs people over. It's kind of impressive to see him go at it. Yeah. It is, uh, it's fun to watch yeah. him play. I don't, is I'm a not dog. a big fan of his. Yeah, exactly. You can call him a dog, a German Shepherd, or whatever you want, Great Dane, whatever. But he is, uh, he is something else. He, he really impressed me. And as a as Antonio as a, uh, Antonio Gibson truther, I really did not want to see this happen, but it's happening. Brian Robinson is kind of held his own this year and the Gibson injuries just kind of ensured more work for him to showcase his talents. And as good as everybody said he was going to be, you know, even better at some point in time. And I hate, I hate when it happens when it's behind on the same team as my guys, but I, I just hope Gibson goes somewhere and gets his chance to be uh, uh, all around back. But Brian Robinson is, he really impressed me this year, but I still want to, uh, I'll still take uh, um, Rashad. So. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, the kind of the age old saying that, you know, we always joke about, I always talk about, I know other people have talked about, it's like in dynasty, especially, you know, running backs are here for a good time, not a long time, you know? And it's like, so for me, you know, whenever I'm attacking rookie drafts, anytime you're hitting into the second round, especially the third round, that's what you're doing. You're just taking these dart throws at these running backs, because if one of them hits, you know, a couple of them hit, you're, you're really in a great position because down that stretch, when guys are going down, injuries are happening, you hit on somebody and you can plug and play. And then you've still got your stud wide receivers and your quarterbacks and things like that. That's where you're really making money. So for me, Brian Robinson, absolutely. I liked him. I thought he did well. Uh, I, I think he's a good running back. I just, I think he's a good running back. I don't think he's an amazing running back. I don't think he's going to be a guy that, you know, you can plug and play as your RB2 for the next five years. So for me, uh, if there's people that are excited about him or see him as the future in Washington and want to pay up for him, trade it, you know, trade him off of you. I'm okay doing that. I'm okay, you know, including him as a sweetener to get a really good deal done. That's okay by me. Um, yes. you know, and, and Rashad White, yeah, I agree with you. If he hits, he's I feel like he's got a much higher ceiling because he's catching those passes. We know that's the moneymaker in fantasy football for running backs if they can catch those passes. I like the idea that potentially they just blow it up. Brady moves on and Rashad White's the dude, you know, next year, maybe he's the dude and he's catching 50, 60 balls as well as getting, you know, 200 carries or something that could be a real nice ROI for you. So again, there was a lot of running backs in this class. There's a lot of guys that in my opinion, 
when we looked at like sort of their skill sets, what they brought to the table, there was a lot of guys that are just pretty similar. And for me, it came down to, and, and again, this is kind of a theme and I think it's important to realize is that a lot of running backs, like we've said, and like I think is important to realize is like, it's just down to opportunity. Like who's getting the chance to get 200 rush attempts and who isn't. So for me, you know, there's a couple of guys after those that didn't really Zamir White. I liked him in Georgia. I thought he had the hammer. You know, he was a pretty strong dude. Um, somebody that I thought, you know, could be, but he just stuck behind Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs played out of his mind this year. So he was just a nobody, a bust. Kevin Harris, I really loved his tape. I believe it was his sophomore year. He looked incredible. But again, he went to a crowded running back room in a in a running back room that they like to use lots of running backs. Um, they got Ramondre Stevenson, who was awesome this year. They had Damian Harris. When he wasn't injured, he was doing well. They drafted Pierre Strong Jr. They drafted Kevin Harris. He just didn't really see the field. Right in that same little group there. So I had like, for example, 76.5, 76 on Kevin Harris. I also had Damian, Damian Pierce at a 76. So I had those guys all in the same group. And I liked Damian Pierce. I thought he was used badly in college. I thought he was underutilized. I, I liked how aggressive he was running and he was awesome. Everyone loved Damian Pierce this year, thought he was, you know, brilliant. I honestly think a lot of that was because of what a good deal you were getting in him, on him in rookie drafts, where people were getting him in redraft leagues. That's why they loved him so much is because, you know, it was such an amazing ROI for you. So Damian Pierce played in 13 games. He had 220 rush attempts, 939 yards. So if he hadn't got injured, he very well could have broke a thousand rushing yards as well. He had 4.3 yards per carry, 30 receptions, 165 receiving yards, five total touchdowns. He was averaging 12.8 fantasy points per game. So it kind of goes down to my point now i'm not saying for you know i think he's a very talented running back but you know he had 220 rush attempts he was getting a very big piece of the pie yes in a bad offense um but you give most running backs 200 250 rush attempts i mean brian robinson had 205 so it was the same sort of a ballpark you know and he produced as well so i think damian pierce you know looks better in the nfl than brian robinson but I guess with my my point with Damian Pierce is how much of that is just the fact that he got so much work and he got so much opportunity and with him not being a particularly high draft capital and things like that, I'm not sure, you know, he's one of those guys that I find very interesting for Dynasty because I feel like there's people who've really just anointed him and kind of taken them to heart as like, he's like almost a top 12 Dynasty running back. I'm not there with him. I really like him. I think he's great. Uh... <laughs> I just have been burned so many times in dynasty where these guys that are, you know, day three picks or undrafted guys come through, they have a great year. You fall in love with them because of the ROI you got on that pick or the waiver wire pick. And then they just blow up in your face because you miss a chance to really cash in and get an amazing return on, on them. And, uh, you know, Philip Lindsay comes to mind. James Robinson comes to mind. You know, there's, there's plenty of examples every year where this person comes out of nowhere or not out of nowhere, but, definitely is a hugely successful for, for what you expected of them but then you hang on for too long and you you miss your chance to sort of you know cash in on that and, and really continue to flip it over and, and get maybe a better prospect or a better um you know a better option should i say i mean looking at things like pff really liked him you know we talk about the the minimum of 50 carries for all running backs damian pierce came in at rb 18 and just their overall offensive grade um he came in at rb 10 for their run grade so you know that's that's really he's, he looks really good he came in at rb2 i mean we talked about Brees hall coming in at rb1 for elusive rating um 
via PFF, Damian Pierce was number two. So he was playing really, really well. I mean, he, some of those underlying stats that we mentioned earlier, his true yards per carry was four, which was 47th. It wasn't that amazing, but his juke rate was 27.2. He was making people miss. He looked good out there. He was creating 2.87 yards you know, per touch, which was 23rd. And his dominated rating was 26.6%, which was 10th. So he certainly is a good player. He certainly has the ability. And again, the Texans have some really good draft picks. They're obviously rebuilding. They're not probably, it's not really in at the minute to put a lot of high draft capital into running backs. So I don't expect them to go out and spend a first round or even a second round pick on a running back. I'm assuming they're going to go after quarterback, probably some wide receivers, maybe continue to build that offensive line, work on the defense a little bit. There's a chance that they don't bring in any of the running backs this offseason or they you know, put, spend a third round pick or a fourth round pick on a running back. And then you're looking at somebody like who potentially has, you know, Stroud or Young or somebody like that as his quarterback, much improved offensive line. All of a sudden, Damien Pierce stock could go way up. So it is a risk reward sort of scenario that we're going to discuss this offseason. What are your thoughts on Damien Pierce? Where do you come down on this kind of eternal debate of the low draft capital running back? The eternal debate. I was... I didn't have any early second round picks for Damian Pierce this year. And I was, I really kind of had him in my, I mean, he was, I was doing everything I could to be trade up like 202, 203, 20, you know, that kind of area. And I just couldn't get him anywhere. And he started out the season awesome. And I, I think uh, he, a lot of, a lot of people don't like him. I, I was surprised by how many people don't like him. I loved him all off season. So I don't, I don't know where the hate comes from. Uh, but I think he's he proved that he's a good running back. I think maybe he's more of a uh, possible. Uh, well, I don't want to say so much as committee back, but he's not a full time time you know full time three down workhorse kind of pro player. I think he needs a little bit of assistance, a little bit of a break. But he can do everything as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I like the guy a lot. He's somebody I, I just man. I, I just I wish I had him on my team so I can keep him for three or four more years. You know, but Damian Pierce is just. Behind guys like, I mean, unfortunately, I don't, I don't want to say this out loud, but like Kyron Williams and guys like that were ahead of him really in the draft process. And he jumped everybody to get to where he was, you know, in the rankings, like post-draft and stuff like that. I liked him a lot, but I think I overliked him. So sometimes you get the Jerome Fords and guys like and guys like Pierce are guys I fell in love with, you know. And sometimes it's hard to get people to change your mind on those players that you really, 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 really like. Because I listen to like 50 podcasts and a lot of people's inputs and then you hear three or four different things. And then you start looking and like, okay, let's see what he's talking about here. Let me look at the tape or let me look at some, some numbers. And Damian Pierce's tape is awesome. It, watching him in college was, was, is fantastic. Uh, so him and Jerome Ford are just two guys that I, I really like a lot, but I, he may have been a little bit overrated is the problem. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be the, the humongous fantasy ch ch league winner, I guess that everybody kind of, because he started out so well, I think people would need to temper their expectations a little bit on him in the future. I think that's a really good point. I think that I I believe that it's very much like a lot of these running backs. It's it's very much price dependent in this offseason. Like if whoever has Damian Pierce in your league values him as like a top 12 dynasty running back, then I'm not interested. I'm not going to trade for him as a top 12 dynasty running back. That's just not where I'm at personally. Um, if the person though values him as like, you know, a low end RB two or an RB three, then yeah, I'm absolutely interested in trading for him. I believe in my dynasty rankings at the moment. Um, I, I think I've got him around sort of, let me just actually double check before I say that I have him around RB 20. So like 
that's where I've got him at the minute. Now that might go up a little bit in the off season as I kind of watch and wait and see what happens with free agency, see what happens in the draft process. As it stands right now, he's my RB like 1920. Um, low end RB2 because the pass catching is limited. I don't know what they're doing. They were a pretty terrible offense. Yes, I expect them to get better. I do like him a lot. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, RB 18, 19, that's not a bad RB. It's just, I'm not anointing him as a top 12 running back for dynasty. I think he's a very talented running back, but there's a lot of change with the Texans all the time, you know, coaches in and out and, you know, what are they actually going to do? Are they going to get it together? It's just been a bit of a, a bit of a mess there for a few years now. So it's a wait and see for me. I do want to talk about, you know, one more guy here, because again, there's a lot of guys that we don't really need to talk about because they didn't really do much. And I don't really expect them to necessarily do much. That's how I sort of do it. Attack rookie drafts. So is like I said, once you get into that second round, especially the third and fourth round, just take those dart throws at those guys. You never know if you hit on a, a zone of a night or something like that, who's really useful for a stretch of the season and either helps you get to the playoffs or helps you win the playoffs. Uh, or, you know, you flip, you, you know, you spend a fourth round pick on zone of a night or you pick him up off the waiver wire and then, you know, you trade him for a third or you trade him at him with your third for a second, something like that. That's, that's just, I think little ways that you can really move around and make, make things happen. The guy I wanted to actually talk about, we mentioned earlier at the top of the show there, he's one of the the three dudes that broke a thousand yards this year, Tyler Algier. So Tyler Algier was really interesting because I had a, so, so for context, I had like a 74 grade on him uh, in my scale. So I was like two points behind Damian Pierce. So I didn't like him as much as Damian Pierce. I sort of saw him as honestly exactly what I've been talking about this whole time. Somebody that if you give enough volume to, you'll get something good out of. I just didn't know that he was going to land somewhere where he could get enough volume. But thankfully for Tyler Algier, he landed in like one of the most run heavy, run happy schemes in the NFL. And to his credit, he did play really well. He played better than I gave him credit for, to be honest with you, as I've kind of been reviewing some of the film of him, as I've been digging into a little bit of the stats, he's actually been more impressive than I gave him credit for. So hats off to him. Um, you know, somebody that if you picked him up in your third rounds or fourth rounds of your rookie drafts, you really, really, really were either able to cash in or you're loving what you saw. So he played in 16 games. He had 210 rush attempts. For 1,035 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, 16 receptions, 139 receiving yards, four total touchdowns. He was averaging 10 fantasy points per game. So things that jump out to me initially, it's very impressive that he broke a thousand yards. That's awesome. He only had 16 receptions. That's a concern for me. If he's somebody that you're really excited about trading for or building around, um, 16 receptions, not great for somebody who was getting a pretty much like a full-time, one of the more, kind of more full-time roles, even Damian Pierce, who we don't think of as a prolific pass catcher caught 30 passes. So he caught double the amount of passes as Tyler Algier. Um, we talked about, you know, James Cook, not really hitting expectations and not being somebody that, you know, for example, John's really excited about, you know, building around or looking to acquire and only playing a part-time role. He even had 21 receptions. So he had more receptions than Tyler Algier to his credit though. I will say, you know, fantasy points per opportunity, 0.70, not great. That was 61st, but you know, things like true yards per carry 4.6, which was 20th in the NFL juke rate, you know, so evaded tackles, 28.8%, 15th in the NFL yards created per touch 2.78, which was 28th. Um, and dominator wasn't great. 17.5, but again, he was a lower draft pick. Somebody that 
I certainly didn't expect this level of production out of. So the fact of what he did achieve is, is really impressive. And I think we do need to give him his plaudits for that. But my take on it personally, and I, I will get John's take here because I'm curious. He, he obviously has a very interesting and unique way of thinking about it and looking at it. My take on it is he's not pass catching. He's not a high drafted person. He is a plug and play running back that if you can get a good return on investment for him, I'm fine trading him on and moving on. Um, I'm not going out of my way to really majorly try and acquire him. Again, it's not that I hate him. I think he's a good running back. And again, if we look at PFF, they agree he's a good running back. Of all running backs who got minimum 50 carries, they graded him as the sixth best running back for their offensive grade. Like that's very impressive. Uh, you know, he also came in literally exactly sixth for their just pure run grade. So he he did really well. And so I don't want, I feel bad. I feel like I'm dissing the guy or saying he's rubbish. I'm not. He's absolutely done amazing this year. Uh, he came in as RB7 in their scale for their elusive rating. There's a lot to like about him. I think he's a good runner. I think he's in a scheme where they love to run the ball. They certainly do. And Arthur Smith, I don't think is going to majorly change that because I, I don't see them having a huge upgrade at quarterback. I think they're either going to maybe let Ritter see what he can do this next year, or they might try and get a vet or something like that. I think they're kind of outside of that range where they can get really one of the top two guys in the draft. So there's a good world. There's a good chance that he's in a position where he is the dude next year and he's going to be really useful for you. So for me, I think where I come down is, again, kind of like I said with a lot of these running backs that aren't named Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall, it's price dependent. If the person who manages, um, you know, uh, Tyler Algier at the minute is willing to trade him to you for a third round pick, absolutely trade for him. If they want a first round pick or, you know, multiple second round picks, I'm personally just not there with it. I'm not that intrigued. Um, but John, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you see it totally different than me or, or where are you at with Tyler Algier? No, I don't think he's a freak or anything like that, that he need to trade up for him. But I mean, I, I, a lot of notes I have here from him earlier in the draft process, you know, he was a former linebacker. So people that put up some red flags that maybe he's not a pure running back. Uh, you know, I, I think the biggest situation for him was landing on a team where people kind of saw the demise of Cordell Patterson uh, being his yeah, how do you call it? His golden ticket to like a lot of a lot of carries, a lot of uh, a lot of production. So he, la- I mean, you can't land in a better spot than that than being behind it. You know, Damian Williams there, thirty years old. Uh, Cordell Patterson. You get a young guy like Algier on a team that runs the ball a lot, and with two aging veterans that are good, but you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel on their careers. Uh, you know, I I get him just for the fact of the matter that he's going to. He's going to produce. He's a guy that I want to keep my team get now, not overpay, like you said, but get now and keep him for a year or two until he does something fantastic. You know, he has one or two good games in a, in a row. And then, you know, to try and sell to a win now guy, if you're somewhere in the middle to try and get draft packs for the try and draft picks for the future, because I don't think LG are special. I mean, if you look at some of his, um, so, I mean, he runs a what a four six forty four six five forty something like that. I forgot what they said, but you know he's he's already what he's twenty three now, twenty four ish. That's not crazy bad, but he had a lot of carries in college. So the receiving aspect of it is something that um, needs to improve a lot. That's that's something that of course, like you like you mentioned, uh, you know a, a catch is worth you know how much how much more than a carry that we all know. So if he's just going to be a early down plotter then no thank you that's not what i want on my fantasy team i am all my my fantasy football teams they're called bad running back university but they're all you know pad pad they're all pass catching players on my team i I like the michael carters and guys like that and uh, jerome fords so 
I don't, uh, he will never be on my team. I'll, I'll just put it that way. He's not someone that I'm really going out to acquire. If I got him somewhere, which I don't, I'd probably keep him if I was somebody. And like I said, until selling, until it's time to sell, but I'm not sure you're going to get back what you want for him. And for me, you know, a lot of what we do is we have to try and project forward and think, what do we think are the most likely outcomes? Right. And so for me looking at it, you know, I would see it as he landed in kind of like you said, the the perfect situation. We didn't realize it at the time, but you know, well, well, I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, he's got an aging Cordero Patterson who got beat up and just wasn't, you know, as dominant as he was the year before. You got an aged, you know, Damian Williams who's on his last legs for fantasy and just for probably the NFL. Not much else going. And you've got a head coach who absolutely loves running the ball. So like it's kind of a great recipe for him. Now, the problem with that is this is a fairly like I'm not going to go. I'm only really starting to dig into my 2023 prospects. So I'm not in a position to say this is a super loaded class or this is a super rubbish class. But from what I can tell initially, because I always start at the running back position, seems like it's a pretty decent class. Like there's a probably quite a few decent dudes that they can choose from. They don't have to spend high draft capital. They're going to be able to get a decent complimentary back in the third, fourth round, fifth round, probably. And that's a concern because like you said, if he's not catching passes and then all of a sudden, if he's splitting work with somebody else. So even if it's a 60, 40 timeshare, Unless they take a massive step up and they're a highly prolific offense and he's getting a massive touchdown equity, the chances are he could then all of a sudden just be this very much plotter, almost unusable, you know, giving you six, eight points a game, kind of easily replaceable. That's the thing about dynasty and just fantasy football in general. A low end RB2, RB3, that's like the easiest position to replace. You get those guys off the waiver wire every single year. I mean, literally. I play in some 16-team, 53-man roster leagues, and there's still guys that you pick up off the waiver wire in the middle of the season, you know, zone of a night or something like that, that just nobody wanted or nobody thought was going to do anything, and their plug-and-play ability. So for me, that's where that's the bottom line. It's like, I hats off to him. He had a great season. He did really well. I think he's a solid running back. I also thought, you know, Philip Lindsay was a solid running back and did really well with Denver. I, you know, it happens like you give enough volume and you have a decent enough scheme and anybody can look pretty good. I am not going to, you know, if somebody's knocking on my door, offering me a high second round pick in this draft for my Tyler Algier, I'm going to take it. Or conversely, if somebody's just like, hey, get him off my team. I don't care about him. You can have him for a third. I'll take that as well. So it's just all based on the price point for me personally. So those are kind of, that's, that's the, the 2022 running back recap. Um, you know, like I said, so there was some good hits in there, a couple of misses. There's a lot of just guys that you want to see maybe about the price point. Where are the people at with Rashad white? I mean, for me, other than the obvious Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker's, the guys that I'm personally most intrigued to try and potentially trade for um, would probably be Rashad White and quite possibly Damian Pierce, depending on the price uh, that people want. Guys that I'm looking to trade high on, get off of the roster, probably Tyler Algier, if you can get a really solid return. If you can sell the fact that he had a thousand yard rushing season, that that's really rare, all that kind of stuff, and get a, you know a high 23 second for him or something like that, or you can put your 23 second and Tyler Algier together and get into the first round. I would love to do that. Um, and then, you know, Brian Robinson, for me, it could go either way. Like, again, it's price point dependent. I'm not majorly trying to buy him. I'm not majorly 
killing me trying to sell him. I'm just like, yeah, he's fine. If he's a throw in to get a deal done, that's okay by me. Um, and James Cook, he's, he's a more high, highly volatile prospect. I totally get it. If you're out and you don't, you're not interested, I still intrigued again, depending on the price, but that's where I sort of stand. So uh, any last thoughts about this particular running back class or anything like that, John, before we go? I'm just going to say if if you're new to Dynasty or if you're new to, I mean, even people who have been in uh, fantasy football for a while, this I, I kind of want to touch real fast on what last year, these were the running back ranks in January of 2022. You know, like Isaiah Spiller was the first overall, you know, the number one running back, then Brees Hall. And then it went to Kenneth Walker, and then Kyron Williams was the fourth running back. Rashad White was fifth. Tyler Algier was seventh. Uh, Zach, well, Charbonnet went back to the draft, so that, that he was not included in these. Uh, then you got like Jerome Ford, Brian Robinson, Zamir White, uh, Damian Pierce, Hassan Haskins, Pierce Strong, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, the everybody out here is doing their best to put out good rankings, but it's going to take, there's a process involved here that in, includes a thousand tangibles that all get plugged in. The film guys haven't seen all the film yet. The analytics guys haven't, don't have all the numbers plugged in yet. The draft hasn't happened yet. The draft capital hasn't happened yet. The nobody's you know, the underwear Olympics hasn't happened yet. There's so much information that has to be put in this, this process to get the best possible outcome known to man. So it's nice to get started on your stuff and don't, but don't take people's word for, you know, for gospel right now, because everybody's trying as hard as they possibly can, but this is a, this is a long and strenuous process and it's, it's fluid. I I just call it, it's like water. It's fluidity. These are going to go up. They're going to go down depending on what information comes. Guys are going to get trouble in the off season guys. You know, who knows what's going to happen, but just if you have a favorite analyst, you listen to a bunch of people, give everybody a chance, give them, give them a chance to make their mistakes to, you know, to shine, to do all the things that are involved with, with the research involved in becoming a good analyst, because everybody out here is trying real hard and it, it's, there's so much stuff that had, that has to be absorbed still. So I, you know, Evan, guys like having guys like you on the internet that I listen to your podcast every time it comes out. And I, I like I said, I'm subscribed to 60 podcasts, but, uh, it, it's it just helps so much to have guys like you are in tune pumping out content to help everybody else out so thank everybody on the internet but evan thanks for having me today and thanks for doing all you do in the fantasy football community oh thank you man i really appreciate that and and i, I love that point that you made actually it's really good point and i hope everybody takes that into consideration is don't don't get locked in to your January takes. You know what I mean? Like a lot of things happen between now and the draft and a lot of things will change and adjust as more information is brought forth. Um, and, and absolutely listen to other people, get ideas, listen, let other people influence your own opinions. Um, you know, but also have your own opinions and see what you think and how you feel. Cause ultimately it's your roster. You know, if you, you know, if you say, Hey, I love Brees Hall, he's my one-on-one, but you know, Evan Brown tells me that James Cook is the man. I'm going to take James Cook and then James Cook sucks. You know what I mean? You're going to be annoyed at me. You're going to roster is going to, you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's your roster. You've got to listen to your own self, but it's good to hear other people's opinions and, and hear, you know, how good or bad are people doing. But I really appreciate John, you taking the time to hop on. I appreciate the kind words guys. If you don't follow John and you're on Twitter, go give him a follow. You can tell he's a good dude. He loves talking football. He knows his stuff at John McGlynn 75. Uh, check out the commissioner evaluation podcast and make sure and give those ratings and reviews if you don't mind, because at the end of the day, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It takes 30 seconds. It really helps out the show. I really appreciate it. Stick with us guys. 
you know, with these draft prospects, like John said there, I will just put this out there. You know, so many people, especially there's more and more competition and all that sort of stuff. And people wanting to be the first to get their rankings out there and all that sort of stuff. I'm not really worried about being the first. I'd rather be one of the more accurate. So I tend to really not put out my final rankings until like the week before the draft, because I'm not really worried about telling you right now who your top 10 running backs are, because very few people, if anyone is doing a rookie draft right now in January. So let's take our time. Let's get it right. Let's be thorough. Let's have fun doing it. Stick with us. The show's here year round. We're going to be talking 2023 prospects. We've got a couple more shows that we're going to look back on the season that just happened. Maybe look at some buys, some sells, some upcoming free agents, things like that. But starting after the Super Bowl, we are going to be getting into the prospect talk. We're going to dive in. We're going to talk prospects, get some ideas. Um, but John, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, go give John a follow make sure and keep it tuned to dynasty debates let's try and make it maybe the worst kept secret in all of dynasty fantasy football let's tell everybody john thanks for coming on buddy have a good evening and we will speak to you again soon